Hi, I'm Ariana. And I'm Kaylee. And welcome back to the Unproblematic Reads podcast. And, you know, we recently changed the name of our podcast from Unproblematic to Unproblematic Reads. And that's because we wanted to let people know that we're going to be focusing more on literature. And we already do that, but we wanted it to be on our cover so that and in our title so people would understand. And I'm laughing. We have some new artwork made by Ariana. So (laughs) thank thank you you so much. (laughs) And I'm laughing right now because Kaylee and I had just been talking for like three minutes and we realized this was not recording because we were talking about this book. And I'm just like, I don't think I pressed record, but it's, it doesn't matter because we we were having a good conversation either way, but now we get to have, we have our conversation. So you guys, yeah, it was a good test run, but yeah, we've had a great time getting ready to um, make this podcast by reading this book together. And we were compiling our notes on an Apple Notes, a shared Apple Notes. We were just throwing quotes and ideas from the book up on our Notes app. And then we curated it and brought it together for the outline. So we're really excited to talk about Scythe by Neil Schusterman. This has been really popular. Like we've seen it on Instagram a lot, especially like the books that have followed like in the series. Um but we have very mixed feelings. I feel like we have mixed feelings about every book that that just shows that, you know, you read it closely if you, it's not just, oh, I liked it or I didn't like it. But so here's some strengths of the book. <laughs> so we both liked it in the beginning. Is that fair to say? Yes, I, it started out strong. I will give this book that it started out strong. Um, <laughs> I think it had a good intro on like getting to know the two characters origin story of Rowan and Citra. And that's true. They did have a good origin story. And they're kind of those like classic protagonists in young adult literature where they're in high school. They're not like other people their age, but uh, like their origin story is a little bit different. Like I like that there's this whole test of moral courage that kind of starts out the story. Like that's a good, that's a good like journey epic beginning, you know? Mm-hmm. And I kind of liked how like there you got to see like their introductions to Scythe Faraday, who they end up being an apprentice for both of them. But let's start with we we're talking about some of the strengths. But Kaylee, I know one of we were talking about world building. What do you what aspect of the world building did you like in this book? So I think it's really difficult to do world building well with sci-fi fantasy books because like writers always walk walk the line of how much is the same from the real world and how much is different and how much can they kind of build a schema about around what this world looks like. So with something like Star Wars, like you have spaceships and and things that people kind of generally understood before they started reading Star Wars, but then like Uh, or watching Star Wars, but then you have like the force and you have to explain to to the audience what the force is. Um, And I feel like a lot of fantasy fiction novels kind of fall into these traps of like, there is the one and the hero is the one who will save the day or something. And there's like this archetype that's really overdone. But I really like that this one had good world building where they had the main narrative with Citra and Rowan filled with um, journal entries by older sides that really like succinctly explained how like the world had gone from being what we know of today to being kind of this post immortality 
political structure. And those journal entries really made that possible because if there weren't these journal entries, I think the readers would have been really confused. And there would have been all that like needless exposition, you know, where it's somewhat like a character is talking to another character and they're like, oh, but you know, Citra, that the sides did this because of this and this reason. And so Citra already knows this. There's no point for like the other character to say it but it's just so that the reader would know. There wasn't really any of that. So I liked that this was kind of creative with the the journal entries interlinked. Yeah, and I also liked the aspect of the journal entries matching up with what they're going through in like their present time. So like yeah. when they were having those, when they were having um, issues on like, you know, what is considered right and wrong and like, should you like, kill people like one at a time or like people who were doing like mass like killings um and those older scythes and their journal entries matched up with what like the main character's internal thoughts were and i liked that aspect of the book but there we had i think it also showed it also showed that kind of like difference between what the goal of the law is versus mm -hmm. how it actually works because they have all these laws to keep the sides in check because they're okay so we should explain what a scythe does so because there is no natural deaths anymore the population on earth is really really large so in order to keep the population in check there are these people called sides who will kill people but it's like government mandated and it's okay um and they have to like conform to all of these laws where it has to be very random it can't be like too many people in a certain group um so there's like these quote-unquote laws that keep them in check but the journal entries and the story really help show how the constitution is different from what actually happens yeah and we will get more we will get into more on our thoughts on like how um the author talks about like race <laughs> and gender in this book um because there were some oh, yeah. things that like we had written in our apple notes and i was like huh like i i don't want to talk about it now but we'll we'll get to it but next section we had a bunch the positives of first. <laughs> okay so there was, there was some good humor like this was probably my favorite like humorous part of the book so there's this cult this religious cult called tonists <laughs> they worship a tuning fork like they hit the tuning fork and then they all like have these religious ceremonies that happens with the sound because like religions have died out i guess by this point because a lot of religious thought is based on like theories of death and since there are no more natural deaths i guess people started worshiping sound um but there's this point where one of the characters talks to like a monk in this tonist cult and they they say like, what is that sound? And he said, G sharp. Although there's a standing argument among the brethren that it's actually A flat. And maybe this is only funny if you've like learned how to read music, but they're like the same note. It's just different ways of reading it. So you can call it A flat or G sharp, but it's literally the same note, at least on a guitar. Maybe it is different, like on different instruments, but you know, I just thought it was really funny. <laughs> that piece right there went over my head and that is coming from someone who used to play an instrument for like six years. Well, it's only because my dad knows music theory and he explained that to me. Like I wouldn't have known that if it was just based on my own 
learning, but like I thought that was hilarious because that just seems like some of the like theological hair splitting, you know, like how Martin Luther was debating like, is the spirit of God inside the bread like a sponge or is it like around the bread, you know, like stuff like that, mm -hmm. which that's actually a fairly like divisive theological concept, but just how like theology can get very minute about like, does it mean love or does it mean charity? Mm -hmm. Like things that seem kind of similar. Um, but like, but yeah, it's interesting how like this book like molds together because you're talking about the humor, but sometimes like it will go from humorous to like spitting in a fact of like knowledge and actually yeah. like making some sense. So like, for example, like, just it will be like one liners or a couple sentences but it'll make you sit and think for a while so it's like on page like 183 it said true solace can be worth its weight in gold and Ooh, it's like because <laughs> it's like some of these some of these scythes like what does it what does it cost for some people to have peace mm, before death yeah mm -hmm. yeah and that's, that's a really but it's also like a lot of these scythes were giving the people that they were killing, like they were giving them, I don't want to say a respectable death, but like they let them die with like their dignity intact. And like, can we talk about this for a minute though? Because like Scythe Faraday is like the noble side, like, you know, the Obi-Wan mm -hmm. Kenobi of the story, I guess. And he is known for giving respectable deaths, like deaths that are, specifically for the person depending on their their personality and their experience and <laughs> there's this one scene where he goes to reap this man who was a really famous like swimmer like he did that for most of his life and he said for you i've chosen a simple drowning and when i read that i was like a simple drowning <laughs> that's one of the most painful ways to die <laughs> and he's like i it's supposed to be like this respectable like noble moment in the story he's like don't worry it'll go quickly but he's drowning him like what <laughs> that's like that's such a horrible way to go like especially what? as it being like imagine dedicating your life to a craft and like right. being so good at it and then that's how like you lose your life but I'm like I yeah. guess that can I mean that does happen in real life too but it's like it's kind it's kind of sad but be like oh we see that you've lived your life as an English teacher so we've decided you will have death by being stabbed by pencils and other school supplies I'd be like no thank you <laughs> I at didn't know that day, was what I was talking about before <laughs> ugh, but the other yeah. quote we had in here, Kaylee, is like on page 388. And it's like, my greatest wish for humanity is not for peace or comfort or joy. It is that we all die a little inside every time we witness the death of another. For only the pain of empathy will keep us human. There's no version of God that can keep us if we ever lose that. So what are your thoughts on that? I <clears throat> I really like that as well. Um I, I honestly wanted a little more from some of these nuggets about immortality, but I do think this seems similar to like Ursula K. Le Guin, where you have like the overarching narrative, but then you have just these little like nuggets in the story that take you outside of the narrative for a moment and can think a little bit deeper. Um, and I do think it's interesting that empathy is no longer as important in this post-immortality world. But all right, let's get into the weaknesses because I think there was a lot of We've already got into it a little bit, but the first one, I guess he can't help, but being a male writer, because <laughs> <laughs> born a man, that, that was rough. Like, <laughs> we talk, yeah, we talked about this at the beginning before we even opened the book. I was like, 
like I because you had it in the book by a man, right, Ariana? You I had, had it only read a book by. Yeah, I had only read one book by a man this year, and I've read 25 books, and only one of them was written by a man. Well, I guess two now out of the 25. I love that but, for you. That should have been me as well. But, but it was a mystery. <laughs> but, like, I feel I, – I mean, I can't stop him from writing or anything like that. But, like, it just felt weird to me, like, <laughs> as a – as like a grown man him writing about being a teenage girl and I think what made it weird for me was like little comments that were said throughout the book so let me yeah let me like Kaylee you're going to talk about some of them but let me brush on what got me was when he was commenting on um a fourth so in chapter nine he was shaming a character named Esme for eating pizza and he called this character who was in the fourth grade fat and I'm like why why are you shame like yeah I feel like if we're so if in this book if like you're so far advanced can't we be so advanced that we stop fat shaming people like and especially and especially like a nine-year-old like right like, I think we talked about this when we were reading this, but when I was in fourth grade, I only thought about pizza. I That was my sole concern in life was when am I going to eat pizza next? So, like, you don't – you shouldn't have to worry about your weight or your, like, your appearance or anything. I mean, ever, but especially in fourth grade. Like, that girl is eight years old. That That's insane. Because yeah. I'm, like, I'm trying to think about, like, this is how people have, like – body image issues growing up because like yeah, yeah. you start at a young age making comments about people's bodies and it like especially like you should never be making comments on people's weight but like especially like as a fourth grader like that's such a weird time it's like right before you get to middle school yeah <laughs> and but this one has such a for like making fun of little girls because then he says back in that magical childhood time when little girls nurtured the delusion that they were as graceful as they were cute i'm like okay why are you att- why are you attacking the girls <laughs> like that he never did like, that to any of the guys in the book he never like body shamed yeah them. he never made like it was always directed at the like the woman the little girl girls, characters yeah. and it's also like I didn't in romance books I do love like forced proximity but like I this book is not romance at all there was no romance whatsoever it's just that there was a teenage boy and a teenage girl forced to be to work together because they were in apprenticeship together they had no chemistry like I felt like they didn't have like even a good friendship they helped each other like maybe once or twice and then maybe a little bit at the end of the book but like you never see a relationship form even a friendship and it's like he the author like made the main character Citra resent Rowan for not like having a crush on uh, him originally in the book and like they're teenagers like you it was like this idea that like girls want to be liked by boys so much that like wanted him which is such a misnomer um like not true at all (laughs) it kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth because you're listening to it and it's like oh my god like I kind of resent him because he doesn't he doesn't seem to be checking me out or he doesn't seem to be you know liking me in a way that you know so first of all it really 
like stylistically, it really takes away from the world building because it's such a big projection of current values into this quote unquote futuristic world. And second of all, it's disgusting. I mean, just to think about that this author has this idea that girls want all boys to like them. Yeah. And it's very yeah. heteronormative just and to throw that in there. <laughs> like it wasn't even, it, it didn't even feel like that futuristic. It's like the setting was futuristic, but the way that people acted and treated each other was not futuristic at all. Like it was just basically how people are treating each other now. And like, yeah. Yeah. Another yeah. great example of that was how it was quote unquote colorblind. Like, oh my God. Literally. No, no, no. Kaylee, talk about that a little more, guys, because I had written as soon as I had. So Kaylee had read a little bit farther than me and I got to this and I was like, is this weird? Like he explained this a little more, Kaylee, but he had said like something about like racial um, be people being racially ambiguous and then he went in to talk about the different races but I'm like at the end of the day it didn't contribute anything to the story because yeah. Kaylee get into it I'm sorry this is also an example of how like it started out being an interesting world building aspect but then it didn't pan out the way that it that was satisfying at all so it began where they were saying that there wasn't like any like racial difference anymore is kind of like what he said um and the sides have to be sure to only to not reap from a certain group so that they're not just reaping all of one ethnicity because obviously i mean that's a hate crime uh that that's the same as today but like the, it was also supposed to be that you couldn't really tell but the other thing that's kind of insulting, I think, to the reader and just in general is he changed these names to be sort of adjacent so the reader knows what what region that, like, so, for example, he calls <laughs> Caucasian Caucasoid, which is kind of a cool dig now that I think about it, but then he calls, like, like Asian Pan-Asian and then his, wait, what was it, Hispanic? Said Hispanic? See, was he Hispanic said, or it was it was Hispanic or Spanish but then he called like people who were black Afric and I was like if if we're so yeah if we're so racially like ambiguous why are you saying we're racially ambiguous and then you're putting it in there because then like we're getting a picture in our head of like what what I, I want to ask him what do you mean like when you say Afric yeah. meaning like what what can you describe that to me like <laughs> And the the way he described it was so stereotypically young adult fiction as well, where he would say this character with a quote unquote pan-Asian lean, which I was that that is such a like terrible way to describe someone's ethnicity. Like it's just very um what's the word? Like careless and kind of yeah, trite. And so it was like he created these new ethnicities, but they were the same. Like anyone reading it would know what he was referring to. And then he would describe it the same way that like other young adult writers would like compare like features to different food and stuff, you know, all of the terrible stereotypes about how people write. Like, and like, he, yeah, he was even doing that like when he was describing like, like Goddard's like, um, followers who is yeah. one of the scythes who is not a good person in the book <laughs> he, he like they describe what each person in that group looks like and it's like at the end of the day you should have just left race in because like yeah 
I don't, I don't yeah. know what that added to it, but like, yeah, it, it was it, not very sci-fi world building of him and more just modern day racist. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he said, race is not detectable, but then you detected it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you detected it <laughs> and we were supposed to is the thing as well so it was yeah <laughs> so do you want to talk okay, so a little bit about neil schusterman yeah now's a good time to get into into that so i was surprised by how many awards this man has won um he won a national book award for the challenger deep and a Boston Globe Horn Book Award as well as another award that i didn't get the name of for the schwa was here and Apparently, these books were very good. I have not read them, but he won some big science fiction awards for these. And I guess I can see some similarities with, like, the little nuggets of wisdom between, like, his work and maybe, like, an Ursula K. Le Guin or, like, an Octavia Butler. But I think the overarching plot and the way that, like, the whole story gets drawn together is very lacking. Um, and it's not just because it's a young adult fiction book, because there's a lot of really well-written young adult fiction books and writing to a younger age group does not mean that you can have a poorly written book. In fact, I think there's even more pressure to have something be very like uh, tight and well connected for a younger age group. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he did win some awards though. <laughs> but, but both of us like real, both of us enjoy YA and I've read some powerful pieces of YA that like have resonated yeah. with me and that leave you thinking this did not do that. As soon as I shut the book, I was like, okay, I'm not reading the second or the third book. Cause it's, I, I told Kaylee, I said, it's a trilogy. She's like, well, where the first book left off, she didn't need to read the second or the third, but, um, yeah, because there's a young adult book named The Power by Naomi Alderman, and that one is dystopian, not, I guess, well, it is kind of what Scythe was trying to do, because it's sort of utopian, I guess, from a certain perspective, but it was so well written, so well connected, and yeah, it just because it's a younger age group doesn't mean it has to be like this, but let's talk about the vibe. So you just watched the interview with him, Ariana. What was your, what was your read on, on his personality? <laughs> I don't know how to describe it because honestly, like, I don't want to say he gave me the ick, but like seeing his interview didn't make me want to read any of his other books. Not that I was going to read them before I saw the interview, but I don't know. I just felt like I he focused so much on AI. Like he, well, his interview was like, I, yeah. AI is going to take over. AI is going to take over. And then that He's was definitely basically. Like Musk simp, you know, like he definitely likes Elon Musk, I would say. And he <laughs> probably listens to Joe Rogan. That's that's why he sort of gives me the ick. <laughs> I could see the Elon Musk thing because like he seemed to be fascinated with like technology and seeing how things are going to move in the future. But at the end of the day, like it just the book just had a futuristic setting, not that any of like. Yeah, thought processes or values were futuristic. Right. It was just current day people and situations in future day. And it's like the only thing is that like you can control when people die. And it's like, I feel like when I read the book, I thought like, oh, this is a great idea. Like it's going to be so intricate. And like at the end of the day, like people are good yeah there was there's, there's good and evil. There was 
But like there wasn't that follow through, you know, like there was a lot of things that I was waiting for, like even the philosophical things, like I wanted more of of some things and less of others, you know? Yeah, I just, I don't know. It, it kind of fell through for me, but I say, uh, we'll at the end, we'll give our overall rating. Romance rating. Okay. So Citroen Rowan ship them no (laughs) there was no romance like there was no romance and it's like don't force it because sometimes like characters just have chemistry like there have been plenty of ya books where it's like wow they're a power couple wow they have great chemistry and this was just a guy and a girl just a boy and a girl just a small town girl at the end of the day, they were just friends and barely friends. Like, they didn't really know yeah. each other. They were roommates. And we didn't even ship their friendship. We didn't even root for that. <laughs> um, I don't know. Because I like, think something that, something that makes a great romance is the characters don't have to be super different from each other, but they do have to have very well-defined personalities. You know, like, so for example, the greatest romance of all time, Pride and Prejudice, um, like, the two main characters are similar and that they're both introverted and pensive and think very deeply about things but they have very different values and personality like characteristics at the same time which makes their love story feel very dynamic because they're giving and taking and talking things through and making each other angry and then making up and that's really important for a romance story but with Citra and Rowan they felt like the same character like their thoughts and actions were so indistinguishable they would be doing the same things and it didn't make any sense to the reader so it was hard to root for them to come together when it wasn't like oh no just like talk it out you'll you'll get back together like no one ever had that feeling I feel like when you're reading the story right no like I didn't feel a connection I just felt like at the end they were probably just friends and it's it was giving it was giving Gail and Katniss like zero chemistry at the end of the day where they were just friends Gail and Katniss had zero chemistry okay wow I must have misread that when I was 13 you know what like I'm gonna be honest as that was controversial you just threw that out there like just like Gail and Katniss I was like whoa there's a whole you know what you know what that (laughs) you know what I just go through this just like them just dead I'm like there is Thousands of young women that would disagree with you, actually. (laughs) Younger me would have disagreed. Younger me would have disagreed. But I don't think that they had enough chemistry to be a couple. Like, as, as, maybe I just need to reread the series. But, like, when I was younger, I was so team Gale. But, but like, getting older, it's like, what did 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 gail and them really have chemistry or were they just really good friends like yeah and at the I end mean, of the day he killed her sister yeah, but at least like you ask that question like did they really have chemistry and you felt like they did at one point with citra and rowan there wasn't even that initial buy-in of like oh they could be really good together or, oh, or no, like no, no. oh they have meaningful connection you yeah. know there was nothing like that no no but I'll, what about the other romance in the book, uh, Faraday, 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 and Curie. What What so, do you think of their romance? I feel like we should explain this to the readers. So these are the so Cy Faraday is who Citra and Rowan are like apprenticing under, but 
basically something happens to Cy Faraday and he no longer is there's there. There's the mentor sides. They're like the, the Obi-Wan Kenobis of the story. Like they're the older Jedi, so to speak. <laughs> I keep making these Star Wars comparisons, but I've never um, seen it's Star kind of- Wars, so I'm kind of enjoying this. But basically <laughs> it turns out like um Citri takes yeah, in no spoiler. It's okay. But so they're both these mentor sides and they like kind of have a romance, but it's sort of like that forbidden love thing. But or were you invested? Yeah, I, yeah. What- it was just so far at the end of the book. I was so done with reading it that at that point when it hit, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. But I was over the book at that point. So it's exactly. like, okay. I, felt- I was like, this is good that like you put this out there. But at the end of the day, like it still wasn't. Ugh. I, I, I liked, they had more chemistry than rowan and citra and also like as a scythe you can't be in a relationship so that's why like it was also forbidden so they had multiple tropes but also it was after the fact they had not been together for like a millennia because apparently you live you can live a long time when in this post modern world (laughs) all right so my romance rating zero out of ten zero all right zero zero let's move on to another to the book the thriller rating so there was moments there was a few moments where my my disbelief was suspended and my pulse quickened there was maybe about two chapters when this was the case um this was when citra was kind of solving a mystery within the story and there were some subplots that really came together very well um so the mentor scythe noticed something about Citra and there was like this test that Citra had to complete. And then after completing this test and talking to the mentor scythe, she had this realization and it had a really good logical satisfaction, but it wasn't predictable. I think this is really hard to do because in so many stories, there's like these little um foreshadowing moments and if it's too obvious like the reader knows right away what's going to happen and so you're just waiting for the gun like Chekhov's gun to go off basically and it it doesn't have that satisfaction because you know exactly what's going to happen but with this um there was like a subplot where things built on each other very well and it seamlessly propelled the action forward and the energy was really good for like two chapters, but then it kind of lost its its momentum. Uh, but because overall, I thought the plot was like way too slow. And to me, is something that really kind of made me not be as invested is there were really grotesque and violent things that happened, but because the pacing was so poor, the violence was kind of toothless. So these things would happen that seemed really like violent and visceral but because we didn't really know enough about the characters it was hard to care about what happened um but what do you think how how thrilled were you with this story ariana i'm just gonna give it a five out of ten not for the just for the aspect of like i felt like there were good good breaks in between and like how the chapters would close at a cliffhanger so like when citra and rowan got selected as the apprentice when they when they both like when the the whole thing with Scythe Faraday what happened to him and then also finding out finding out about the relationship between um Faraday and I want to call her Citra but that's not her name is it (laughs) what is and Curie Curie okay I'm like I knew it started Marie Curie Uh, yeah 
That's hers. Yeah. So, um, and the whole thing with like Goddard and his thing. So I say five. I'll I'll give him okay. that. Like sometimes, like it 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 captured your attention, and then you'd want to read to the next chapter. I'll give him also this. I am a person who enjoys short chapters because I feel like it encourages me to read <laughs> more than if it was. I'd rather read. 50 pages of short chapters than 50 pages in one chapter because for me in my mind it's like oh I'm it's not that much I'll just read one more chapter because I personally hate stopping reading in the middle of a chapter and I think that's why sometimes like those like really really thick books it's like I have a hard time like picking up and wanting to read because I know that I'm gonna probably stop in the middle of a chapter and I don't want to but that also makes it here to read like a short chapter when you're on a trip like on the subway when you have a short amount of time mm-hmm. um, versus like when we read there's no such thing as an easy job those chapters are very long and they're very dense and it's important to know everything that happens so if you like start reading and you get 35 pages in and then you have to quit for whatever reason mm-hmm. for a minute then you have to reread again so yeah I think short chapters there's something to be said but I still gave Mr. Schuster, 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 a three out of 10 for thriller. Cause at the end of the day, I, I wasn't as invested as I felt like I should have been. So um, lastly, lastly, I'm like, we're running out of time, but lastly, spiritual spirituality rating. And Kaylee, I think you should start with this one. Cause for me, like, I'm not going to talk Kaylee, you, you first. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I thought a lot of interesting spirituality parts of this because it is about death and immortality. Um, The strongest part of this, I thought, was the whole dealing with the guilt. Uh, So one of the characters does something and another character dies because of it. But because there are no natural deaths, this character is able to come back to life because of the advanced hospitals. But the character who killed her still feels guilty about it. So there's this whole question of like, how much guilt do you have? if there weren't any consequences for what you did. Because at the end of the day, this girl was okay. Like she was able to come back to life, Um, but the character still felt like they killed somebody and they dealt with the guilt of being a murderer. So I think that was a really interesting part of the book. Um, Another really cool thing was talking about how people don't change as time goes by. So you're looking in the mirror and you might have these like cosmetic surgeries that make you look younger, but you're still the same person. And this is something that I actually wanted there to be more of in the story because it had sort of this pessimistic idea that people don't really grow spiritually as they get older. They just like, uh, spend their time like doing very like surface level things whereas like the elves and lord of the rings like they get older and they grow wiser like a lot of people like have more abilities when they grow up so i think it's interesting that it was kind of a part of this that humans didn't really grow wiser or more grounded they just kind of spent more time doing the same things that they'd always done so there were some good ideas in here so i would give it a seven out of ten i had some thoughts after this (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I just liked that. I liked that the book talked about um, empathy, having empathy and, you know, the internal thoughts of what's going on and the, the scythe go through because you get chosen as a scythe originally because you don't want the job because it makes you seem like you're going to be um, 
more honorable and less chance of you being corrupt. But overall, I'd probably just say like a five out of 10 or a six out of 10. But we're mm-hmm. running out of time. But I'm glad that we got to do our first book on Scythe. And overall, I'd probably rate the book. I gave it a two out of five. What about you? Two, yeah, I think that's fair. I would also give it a two out of five because I had a, a higher thriller rating or no, I had a higher spirituality rating. You had a lower thriller rating. So yeah, two out of five is good. Okay, well, we'll be back next. I'm just about to say next week, but we'll be back with another episode. Mm-hmm.